Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Scripture I want to go is our theme scripture is found in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, first morning, uh, we got this uh, kind of a deer-in-the-headlight look because I kept saying Proverbs 3, which is, by the way, a great chapter in Proverbs, but that was not our text. So Philippians chapter 3, and I invite you to join me in reading it together. Just one voice together, ready? Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead... I press toward the goal to which the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the end of a three-part, and we have been focusing around, this is the text, but we've been using as an illustration the life of of Elisha. Uh, we talk a little bit about Elijah this morning. He was the predecessor of then Elisha, but we've been focusing on Elisha. And Elisha, a couple of weeks, and if you haven't listened, it's up on the web. I encourage you to do that. It's on podcasts. If you don't want to take the time to watch it, you can listen to it while you travel, uh, or you can watch it, and it's available. I encourage you to go back to the first one. The first one, we were dealing with that whole idea that you, you don't hold anything back, and, and it was the picture of the end of Elisha's life where he was with King Jehoash, and he asked the king to shoot an arrow into, I guess, the meadows. The king did. And then he told the king, strike the arrows on the ground. Plural. Strike the arrows on the ground. And the king took his arrows and he struck them three times. And and Elisha became angry. And, And that angry is actually quite angry. He wasn't just a little miffed. He was angry. Why didn't you strike it until you had nothing left? Because now... You will only have partial victory. It proved what was already in his heart. His heart was not for all-out victory. His heart was just enough to get by. And as sons and daughters of the King of Kings, too often we do enough just to get by. When Jesus called us to follow him, he didn't call us simply to pray a prayer, recite a prayer after him, and then, you know, go to church once in a while and read her Bible once in a while and pray once in a while and stop swearing and, you know, don't mess around. And he did, That wasn't what he said. When Jesus called us, when he called his disciples, and the call is still here, he said, you need to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. That denying of ourselves is denying ourselves. And picking up our cross is that there's a sacrifice involved. There's a sacrifice. The cross is a picture of death, death of the flesh. And following Jesus isn't just when you've prayed the prayer, now you are a Christian and you've got the label attached to you, but it means keep following me. Follow me wherever I go. Track with me. And this is where we pick this up. When Paul was talking, Paul's in Philippians 3, he was testifying. He's writing this from in chains, and he's writing this, and he's saying to the Philippians, he's saying, listen, uh, I haven't arrived you know, what all these people are saying, listen, I've still got more to give. And he's saying, I, I have not taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what it has, I press toward the goal to win the prize 
of which God has called me. And the prize wasn't in the great by and by where you're going to have mansion on the hilltop. That wasn't the prize he was thinking. The prize was he would have an effective ministry. That was the prize. He would complete what he began. And I want to suggest that just in keeping with Pastor Church, she talked about that we would have purpose. We are called to know our purpose and to live it fully. So the actual secondary text we're going to look at today is found in 2 Kings chapter 2. If you want to go there in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to read a bunch of verses. I'm going to pick up the story in verse 1. It's a, it's a great story. It's a story that many of us, maybe if you grew up in church or grew up in Sunday school, you heard this story because it's a pretty wild kind of a story. 2 Kings 2 verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elijah, Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets of Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha said, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elijah, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets of Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the prophets, company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. Elisha replied, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elijah says, you have asked a difficult thing. Everybody say difficult thing. Difficult thing. Got to come back to that. You have asked a difficult thing. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. 11. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire, horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Let's pray. Father, we seek to understand not just knowledge, but in our hearts what you are saying this morning. We ask, Spirit, reveal it to us in your powerful name. Amen. Let me just recap the story of what's taking place. I don't know if you've ever watched movies where uh, you come in on the movie and it's really intense. The first few scenes are like just... <clears throat> but then it comes to a point, you know, somebody gets hurt or there's a drama or something. And then they stop and then you see the scroll comes across the screen. It says six months earlier. You ever had that or two years earlier? Then what they do, so they kind of bring you to a conclusion... But for you to understand the conclusion, you have to understand what happened before. So now they take, and most of the story ends up being the before. And then at the end of the story, they come back and they finish it. 
And in many ways, that is the trek we've been on in these three weeks. It's We start it with the end of Elisha's life. The end of his life was him with King Jehoash, where they opened up the window and he told the king to fire an arrow and he fired an arrow. And then he told the king to take his arrows, plural, and to strike the ground with the arrows. And the king struck three times and stopped and quit. And Elisha was mad. He was angry at him. Why didn't you strike until you had nothing left? Why quit before God tells you to quit? No one told you when to quit. You needed to keep striking. Because you struck only a few times, you will only have partial victory. If you had kept striking, you would have complete victory. And he was angry with him, and the Bible says he died. (laughs) He didn't die because he was angry. He died because it was his time. He was dying of a disease. And so he died. Then that story stops. It's like we've gone back now prior to that story. We've gone to the place last week where Elijah goes to Elisha, and Elisha's out in the fields, and he's plowing, and he's got 12 oaked oxen, and he's on the 12th yoked oxen, and he's plowing a big operation he's got going there, big farming operation. He would have been renowned. It would have been known. It would have been successful, and Elijah comes up, places his cloak on him, and Elisha runs to him and says, I need to say goodbye to mom and dad. I need to say goodbye to mom and dad. And when he does, it wasn't an excuse. When he did, he went back and he burnt the the plows. He made a a sacrifice with them. He burnt all the meat. He gave it to the people who were hungry. He kissed mom and dad goodbye. It was this. He knew his life would never be the same. He knew there was no going back. He knew that when he followed Elijah, there was, he might never, he might never see his mom and dad again. And so he needed to be ready to have said goodbye. He was going to go forward. You know, we sang the song, um, Though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me, the world behind me, I have decided to follow Jesus. And so his, and following Elijah was a picture of following the call. It was a picture of following God's purpose for his life. It was a picture of him doing what God had called him to do. And so that picture translates into 21st century. It translates to you and I. It's the call that God has for all of us. Not the call to full-time ministry. Some maybe here might be called to full-time ministry. But it's not that. It's the call to where God has placed you in your the home your family unit, in your neighborhood, in your sports, in your classes, wherever God has placed you strategically and he is calling you to a greater purpose than to live for the things of this world or for yourself. That's the call. And so the call was a call. And when he refers to Elijah as Elijah, we would refer to him as my father. It was a picture of the father in heaven. It was the following the call of God. And so it wasn't following a man. It was following the call of God. You come to this part of the story, though, and Elijah, um, before he's taken up into heaven, you have him and Elisha and a company of the prophets, and they're leaving a place called Gilgal, and they're going to Bethel. And Elijah turns to them and says, stay here. And Elisha says, I will not. They go to the next place, and when they get to Jericho... He does the same thing again. Stay here. He says, I will not. They get to the next place. It was the Jordan. Third time. Stay here. Now, whenever you see something repeated in Scripture, 
it really causes us to need to sit up. Now, if we had it in our modern books, it would be like in capital letters, underlined, and in bold, okay? But there they didn't have that, so it was like they repeated the emphasis. Stay here, no, stay here, no, stay here, no. They get to the Jordan River, and they get to the Jordan River. Uh, Elijah takes off his cloak. He strikes the river. The river opens to the right, opens to the left. Now two of them walk across. The 50 company of prophets, they stay back. The two of them walk across the river. The river obviously comes back because when he crosses later, he has to open it again. So the river comes back. And it's not until they get to the other side, Elijah turns to Elijah. Now Elijah's about to disappear. It's the end of Elijah's journey. He's going to clock out. And he turns, at that moment, he turns to Elisha and he says, what is it you want? He didn't ask him back in the other side of the Jordan, didn't ask him in Bethel, didn't ask him in Gilgal, didn't ask him where Elisha grew up. He asked him at the strategic point, the strategic point where there's only two of them, the strategic point, no one else is there. And he turns to Elisha and he says, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. Now, if we were just again to freeze frame, and step back just a little bit. We would notice that in the previous stops, a way back when they stopped at Bethel, there was a company of prophets. And Elijah asked them to stay. When they stopped at the next one, they stopped at the next one. He constantly kept saying, stop, don't go with me, stop, don't go with me. And when they crossed and they get to the Jordan, the company of prophets had made a decision they were not going to follow anymore. They made a decision they were going to stay back. As a matter of fact, they were inciting Elisha to stay back as well. I got a few bullet points I want to draw because these points will kind of just sum up what I think the thrust of this is all about. Number one, the other prophets chose to stay where they are. Sometimes we choose just to stay where we are rather than travel on with where God wants us to go. They know he's going to the end of his journey, but they are, here's another bullet point, comfortable with remaining behind. Comfortable. Comfortable. You know, we were not made in life just to be comfortable. Comfort is not our primary goal. And it's only Elisha who refuses to be just comfortable. He refuses to be left behind. And it's not coincidental that Elijah repeatedly implores him to stay back implores him to stay back, implores him to stay back. No one would think less if, Eli, if Elisha stayed back. I mean, that's what he was asking him, to stay back. But note, it is only when Elijah and Elisha stand along at the other side of the Jordan that he has the question, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? You see, everything has led up to that moment. What can I do for you? What can I do? Here's something that I think is really key. Multiple times in scriptures, God does not push us to get us to do something. As a matter of fact, the door is not even clearly open. Many times, it looks like obstacles are in front of us, and he is checking to see if our hearts care enough. If we hunger enough. It comes down to the hunger. It comes down to the drive of the heart. Do we hunger enough to go. And it will look like there's a no. We will have people around us, maybe parents, maybe other Christians who will say, why are you, why are you doing that? You don't have to do that. 
You don't have to, you know, go to all those meetings. You don't, you got to be careful. You got to be careful you're going to burn out for the kingdom. You know, you, you got to be careful. You got to pull back. Why are you doing all that? Why are you putting in extra time? Why are you stepping forward so often? And there's people that would, you, you need to stop. And you might even have leaders be saying that. But does the heart, has God told you to stop? Has God told you to pull back, to stop striking, to stay behind? Elijah was asking him, but in his heart, he stayed with it. We have that indication throughout Scripture in other places. If you remember the story of Jesus, and we preached of the, I preached of this a few weeks ago, and it was the Gentile woman, and the woman was, came to Jesus for a miracle, and Jesus appeared to be ignoring her. And she was calling out to him, and he was ignoring her. And the disciples says, Lord, and they were picking up on this, you know, like it wasn't so subtle a, a cue. And they picked up on it, and they said, Lord, we'll get rid of her for you if you want. And Jesus made a comment. He just keeps talking, like off into the distance, like, like he's dissing her. And, and Jesus says, um, you know, I, uh, the, the Jews, the children of God should be the ones who get the bread. And then she says, but even dogs get bread. Even dogs will get a crumb. Lord, I won't leave. And Jesus then turns, and she gets amazing things. You have so frequently these moments where it's easy to turn back. The woman with the issue of blood who pressed through the crowd. It was easy for her to be determined or for her to be deterred and to turn back. But she stayed with it, stayed with it until she got to Jesus and touched the hem. And Jesus said, he stopped everything because he saw pure hunger. The woman who was the widow and she wouldn't let the persistent, she was a persistent widow and she kept before the judge her case. She wouldn't let up. You see Moses in the Old Testament when Moses who was on top of Mount Sinai and he was coming down from Mount Sinai and had the Ten Commandments and the children of Israel had committed the grave sin and God was angry and Moses was saying, don't blot them out, blot me out first. And Moses would not lose sight of God no matter how easy it could have been. He was excused to let it go and he wouldn't. He stayed with it until that moment where finally God turned to Moses and said, Moses, what is it you would like? And Moses said, I want to see your face. And this is the same kind of moment. It is easy to get off the path or to not be determined. And might I suggest, should that be the case, you won't hear the master say, what is it I can do for you? What is it I can do for you? Because it was strategically at that moment, not before, because he pressed through, he would not be deterred, that Elisha then asked let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Let me inherit a double portion. Now here's something I've observed. Maybe you have too. Many people want a double portion. There's a lot of people who want double blessing. They want God to pour out his spirit. They want to be mightily used of God. But it's just that they want it back at Gilgal. They want it back at Bethel. They want it back at Jericho. Here's a bullet point I've got for you. Too many of us want God to do for us far more than what is reasonable based on where we have allowed God to take us. We want it back there, but we haven't journeyed to get here. And so it's not going to happen back there. It's not going to happen in a life of ease. It's not going to happen in a life of uninvolvement. It's not going to happen in a life that looks the easy, the average, the mediocre way to get out. It won't happen there. Too many of us want God to do for us far more than what is reasonable based on where we have allowed God to take us. I'm convinced 
that you and I, we do not get double portions watching others get their double portion. We don't get double portions by reading more, by those type of... We get watching others. We get double portions when we actually are committed to say, here am I. When God spoke to Isaiah in chapter 6, who will go for us? Who will reach them? And then a voice from the crowd says, here am I, send me. I'll go. I'll go. God didn't ask him to go. He did, but not directly. God was saying, who will? And the hungry heart steps up and says, me, me, send me. I will go. I will volunteer. I'm convinced that when we choose a bullet point, when we choose to remain behind, we also leave behind all that God desires to do in us and for us and through us. Elijah responds to Elisha, verse 10. He says, you have asked a difficult thing. Everybody say difficult thing. I told you we'd come back to that. You have asked a difficult thing. It is a difficult thing. Note what he says after this. He says, yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it won't be. In other words, Elisha, you could have done all that you've done to this very moment, but if you lose sight of me now, you'll lose it all. It's difficult. It's difficult because many find it difficult. Many, it's not natural. It's not natural to press into God. It's not natural to hunger for God. It's not natural to make ourselves uncomfortable so our sacrifice is before Him. It's not natural that we lay everything on the altar. It's not natural. It's unnatural, supernatural. It's a difficult thing. It's, and many will not. Many will choose not to. Many will choose the easier. Elijah says to him, what you've asked is a difficult thing. Elisha knows that. He's given, he's, he's, he, he said goodbye to mom and dad. He said goodbye to his, his career. He said goodbye. He had to walk past all those 50 prophets. How many times he kept going with Elijah and the prophet says, what are you doing? Who do you think you are, you goody-goody two-shoes? And he had to resist all the pressures to stay back. It's difficult. It's a difficult thing you've asked. Yet if you see me, you've got to keep your eyes on the prize. kind of sounds like Paul, doesn't it, in chapter 3, Philippians? He says, I press forward. I strain. I keep my eyes on the prize. And I will not let the things of my heart, my life, the world around me deter me. I keep my eyes on the calling of God. You've asked a difficult thing, he said. And it is here, the chariot of fire, horses of fire appear, and Elijah's taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. Yeah, I was reading it this morning, and I noticed that the fire separated Elisha from Elijah. I found that interesting. The fire separated them. I, I, I wonder if the reason the fire separated them was because God knew that if he didn't separate Elisha, because Elisha was clinging, if he didn't separate them... When Elijah started going up, Elisha was going to grab a hold of him and go too. I don't know. It's just my hypothesis. So God separated them because Elisha's job was not finished. Elijah's was. Elisha's job was just beginning. And so fire separated them, and then it just chariots of fire, and the whole thing takes place. And Elisha cries out, my father, my father. And he takes his own cloak, and he tears his own cloak, and he grabs the cloak from Elijah that fell from him. And he goes over to the Jordan River, and he strikes the Jordan River, and the Jordan River opens it up, 
opens up for him. Another bullet point is this. We all want chariots of fire without going beyond the point of no return. I think all of us do. Like Elijah offered Elisha the chance to stay back, God does not force me. He doesn't force you into the more. As a matter of fact, he sometimes doesn't even invite you into the more. You have to volunteer. That's really what I'm talking about. That's the message title today. I have to volunteer. He doesn't, I don't hear an audible voice. I don't have somebody come and say, thus saith the Lord. I don't, frequently that doesn't happen. As a matter of fact, it looks like every, all, the, all the stakes are against you. It seems like you're uninvited. We all want chariots of fire without going beyond the point of no return. Sometimes God doesn't even invite us. He merely asks, whom shall I send? Who will go? And he needs to hear somebody say, listen, I'm going to go. I'm a servant. Another bullet point, don't wait to be asked. Volunteer. Volunteer to go forward. Volunteer to go further. and Volunteer to go harder than anyone else. You just volunteer. You cannot pioneer out of obligation. You have to want it. You have to want more. Listen, I think if, if we're going to ever be greedy, this is the one and right place to be greedy. Be greedy for everything God has for you. Want it all. Don't want half. Don't want a little bit. Don't want average. Don't want mediocre. Want more than others think you deserve. Want more than others think you deserve. Why settle for a single portion if there's a double portion? Elisha's double portion of the Spirit, it's interesting here, never translated into double wealth. He didn't get rich. It didn't translate into double fame. It didn't trans- translate into double fortune. Often that's what we think the double will be. No, instead, Elisha received a double portion of the power of the Spirit of God. Elisha received effectiveness. He was effective. Now, here's the big question. It's the big question to all of us this morning. The big question is this. If you are not where you want to be, why do you keep choosing to stay where you are? In your spiritual life, if you're not where you want to be, why do you keep choosing to stay where you are? Hmm. If you know there is a future waiting for you, why do you choose to stay trapped in the present? The unfortunate reality is that many would choose comfort rather than destination, would choose safety over opportunity, would choose to settle than sacrifice for the more. So here we have Elisha refusing to stay behind. That is the whole point of the story. He steps out, he volunteers, and when you do it, it comes with risk. You can risk failure. You can risk being ostracized. There's no promises, there's no fortune, there's no fame. In fact, the opposite frequently is true. For Elisha, this question had already been answered a way back when he kissed his mom and dad goodbye. It was already answered back there. And the rest was before him. You know, I've seen this on the mission field, when I've traveled over on the mission field and I have met pastor after pastor in very difficult circumstances who walked away from family to be a follower of Jesus, who walked away from education. I mean, these guys were educated, some with doctorate degrees, walked away from education, walked away from careers, from comfort to answer the high calling to be a volunteer. 
living all out for the purpose that they know God has had his hand on them for. And if you were to look at them laterally, they don't have nice clothes, they don't have cars, they don't have nice homes, they don't have pension plans, they don't have anything. As a matter of fact, they're worse off than they were before. They're worse off. If you look at them laterally, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But talk to them and ask them what they think about it. And they will talk your ear off for hours about how God is so good. And the provision and the effectiveness and the move of God flowing because they counted the cost before they built. And they have gained much. I'm not sure what exactly Elijah saw in Elisha. All we learn of Elisha is how he responded when the moment came. There was a need. We know he responded. He volunteered. He says, here am I, send me. He didn't have to be chased. He didn't have to be called. He didn't have to be badgered. He looked for the need. Here am I. What can I do? Elijah couldn't even shake him off. And when Elisha pressed through, he would receive a double inheritance. Elisha did not stumble into a double inheritance. He did not stumble into the blessing. It was very intentional. Maybe this explains now. Now we're at the end of the story again. Maybe this explains why Elisha was so angry with the king when the king was told, strike the ground with the arrows, and he stopped at three times. Maybe this explains now why Elisha was so angry. Why was he angry? He was angry because he doesn't get people who quit. He's angry because why would anyone stop before God commands it? Why would anyone settle for a partial victory? Who wouldn't strike and strike and strike until you had nothing but toothpicks left? Who wouldn't do that? Because that's what he did. He doesn't get it. It's a difficult thing. Paul says, one thing. One thing I strain towards. One thing. I leave the past behind. And I strain towards the high calling. The prize, the goal that God has trajected me heavenward. It's the one thing. And Elisha believed in the one thing. This man would die leaving nothing undone. <laughs> wow. I want to be like him. I want to be a follower like him. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. There's a side note, and it comes to the very end of the story here. And in 2 Kings chapter 13, it's very interesting. If you have it, you can go to it. It's a very little, brief little spot. It's a, it's a side note. It would be called a footnote in some. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20, tells us that time has passed. Elisha's been buried. He's nothing but bones, I guess, or even the bones might be gone. Story picks up where there's, uh, it seemed to be almost on an annual basis, these Moabite raiders would come into Israel and raid Israel. And at this particular moment in verse 20, the Moabite raiders were raiding and they, and they raided a funeral. There was a funeral taking place. Some Israelites were burying a friend and suddenly the band of raiders came in and so in a frenzy they had to run. They threw the dead man's body into Elisha's tomb. You read that little footnote there. They threw the dead man's body into Elisha and the Bible says this. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood to his feet. <laughs> Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? 
The dead man rose and stood to his feet. That would have been spooky. Here's the point, bullet point. If you truly live your life before you die, your life will have a power that not even death can conquer. It'll just keep going on. Death won't stop it. But here's the inverse. There's too many people claiming to be followers of Jesus who, although they are living in body, people around them die. That's the inverse. If you truly live your life before you die, if you truly volunteer, if you count everything, if you strike until there's nothing left, if you give it your all, if you invade the impossible, if you truly do that, you'll have a power that even in death will continue on. But the tragic part is too many times while we're still living, people are still dying all around us. Dying in hope, dying in disappointments, just because there's no double inheritance flowing from us. Better to be like Elisha, who is physically dead, but still giving life. So it comes down to what do we choose? Bullet points, settle for less or volunteer. And in so doing, keep striking the ground. Strike it until you've given everything. Everything you have, everything you are, everything you know. And when it is all said and done, you will have died with your quiver empty, not half full. I want to get to that place where it's empty. I want to empty it out. I want it to be finished. So we come back and I close with again, Paul. Now I better understand Paul. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. We read this earlier. Brothers and sisters, he's talking to us. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. We're not done yet. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. As we close this morning, I want to just make the appeal to you. Is that you? It's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing. Many will not choose it. But will you choose? In your heart, is there a hunger? Is there a more? That you're saying, comfort doesn't matter. I want my quiver empty. I'm going to give it my everything. We're coming into a season where that's going to be challenged. Coming into a season. And those who haven't given it their everything will back away. We will, we will back off. But those whose hearts are pressing through, who don't really care if anybody's tracking with them who like Elisha says you can tell me to stay back but I'm not I've got a call I've got a mission I've got a journey I must take I will sacrifice at nothing thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.